Hey, my name is Ryan McVitie, and I am the pastor of the River Worship. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. If you haven't heard about the river yet, it's an amazing move of God happening in the greater Toronto area. Yes, Toronto, Canada. It's a cold place, but we have warm hearts, and we love coming together every Tuesday night and worshiping the Lord with all we've got. We also get to dive into the Word, and that's where we're going to go right now. We're going to dive into the Word of God, and I trust and pray that it will impact you in a powerful way. If you're ever in the Toronto area, come visit us. We would love for you to worship with us together. But enjoy the message, and God bless you. How's everyone doing tonight? All right. Well, good evening, good evening, good evening. Thank you, Pastor Ryan, for that very wonderful introduction. Uh, He did lie a little bit, though, in his introduction. Uh, You're not supposed to lie, but he said I was better looking than him, and we all know I'm not better looking than him. Uh, I want to have swag like him when I grow up, and I I would love to have his hair. I mean, just look at that hair. It's just absolutely amazing, but that would either be a miracle or it would be hair club for men, so uh, I'll just stick where we are right now. So uh, you guys ready for the Word of God tonight? Cool. Thank you again for the introduction. Uh, you did mention, I, I, I was trying to hear all of it in the speakers, but one of the favorite things that I've been able to do as well is actually to teach here at Canada Christian College. And so I have my students, I see some of my students here, I had to take this year off, but it's just been good to be back for that. And, and it's really just an honor to be here tonight. Really excited to share the word, excited to be here. I don't know if you remember, Pastor Ryan, but you had me come speak at the river back at, at, at the old campus in the city. And so that was, oh, I don't know how many years ago it had to be. Well, obviously well before we got here. So that was a real cool opportunity, but it is good to be back. Um, I love the river. I love Canada Christian College. And, you know, I, I do want to say, um, can we just take a moment and thank God for Pastor Ryan and Lindsay and just the amazing job that they do. Come on, we can give it up for them tonight. Just honor them. You know, it, for many people, it might seem really cool to be up here on this stage and have all these people coming and all that. And it is, but, but you don't know the price that they've had to pay. You don't know some of the sacrifices that they've made and some of what they've walked through behind the scenes so that God could birth and do something like this. And so I always want you to remember that. I want you to remember to pray for them, to encourage them whenever you get the opportunity. Because a lot of times people don't realize that. They don't think they need that. But I just really want to thank God for them. And can we thank God for the entire team that serves tonight? I mean, what did they say? 70 volunteers. Wasn't the worship amazing? I mean, these are people who are giving of their time and their energy. And and I'm a pastor, so I'll put a plug in. Because Pastor Ryan, you know, he kind of has to slide it in there. But guys, listen, give. Support what's happening here. Right? Support your local church. Tithe. Do what you need to do, but support what's happening here because what God is doing. Um, He already did a very great job as well, but I do want to give a shout out to my beautiful, amazing wife who is here and my daughter as well. The Bible says that your wife is a help meet, and the Lord knew I needed a lot of help. And so he gave me his very best, and so I'm very thankful for her. And then, of course, I got to give a shout out to my TCC family, Toronto City Church. Love my church. I think I pastor the best church in the country. I'm very biased, but I I love my church. I'm very thankful for my church. So let's get to work here tonight. You guys ready? 
How many people have your Bibles? How many people actually have like, a, I was going to say a real Bible, but it's real anyway. Anyone have a paper Bible? Just wave your paper Bible at me if you got, we don't have very many paper Bibles. That's okay. I'm totally fine with electronic Bibles too, but just get ready to tap because I believe in preaching the Word of God. I, I like stories and I like examples and I like all these different things, but I believe in preaching the Bible. So we're going to spend a lot of time in the Bible tonight. Let's pray and let's go before the Lord. Father, we come before you tonight in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for the honor and opportunity we have to be here, to worship, to lift you up, to have fellowship and connection with each other. Lord, if, if after the, you know, all we've gone through over the last number of years doesn't make us appreciate this opportunity, I don't know what will. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity we have to dive into your word tonight. Lord, I thank you that your word is alive. I thank you that your word is powerful. I thank you that your word transforms us and it changes us. And so we just pray and ask for that tonight, God. Lord, I pray that people will not hear what I say as much as they will hear what you say to them through what I say. Lord, we want to hear from you. And I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice. God, whether they're here live right now, whether they're tuning in online or listening to this later, but I pray every single person will be touched and impacted by you. And so we thank you for all this in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed, said. Amen. All right, I got a question. How many of you were here last week? Who was here last week? Uh, I guess it was season six, episode two. And so I, I wasn't able to be here last week. Actually, it's been a little disappointing. Our journey in God took us more to the west end of the city, so it's been hard to get out here to the river. But, but there's a rumor we might be getting back in closer, so I might be able to show up a little more often, which I'm excited about. But I heard Pastor Ryan brought an absolutely amazing word last week. How many of you enjoyed the word? We're blessed by the word last week. So I, I, I heard so many good things about it, and I, I thought, you know, so I asked him for his notes. Uh, not because not I was going to try and re-preach it, but I thought maybe I could build on top of it. Because when I found out what he was talking about, I thought, man, that is so key and that is so important for the days we're in. It's so key and so important for each one of us. And so I want to build a little bit on top of that, do my best, and see if I can kind of get to the level that he brought it to last week, maybe dive things a little deeper. But last week he talked to you about dirt. He talked to me, what do you do in rough times? Someone tell you, ask, ask your neighbor, what do you do in rough times? Okay, that was okay. You guys got you. I'm going to get you talking, okay? So... Don't just kind of sit there and look at me like, it, actually, you can talk. It's okay. This is not going to get in trouble. So I'm going to look at your neighbor and ask them, what do you do in rough times? And if you haven't figured out the acronym DIRT, do in rough times, okay, just in case any of us are catching up. And so it, it was so good. And, and he talked last week, and he called, there was an amazing call to devotion instead of despising. That, that God's looking for our devotion in the middle of the rough times and that we have to avoid the temptation to despise what we're walking through or despise the challenges that we are facing. And this is such an important word, so I want to see if I can just go on top of it, take it a little deeper, a little far. How many, I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I've noticed that a lot of times as Christians, we have this misconception that since we love Jesus, since we're, we're, we're followers of God, you know, since we show up at the river every Tuesday night, worship and praise God and do all these things, 
It means we will never have troubles or difficulties in our life. Anybody ever noticed that? I heard somebody laughing over here. I, I, I don't know exactly where it comes from, but I, I think we just have this impression, oh, I love Jesus, I'm trying to follow God, so everything's going to be easy. Everything, it's never going to be difficult, it's never going to be hard. I, I want you to know tonight, and I think a lot of you already do know this, that that's not what the Bible teaches us. That's not, that's not what Jesus taught us. See, here's what Jesus said. If you want to go with me to John 16, 33. John 16, 33. Uh, this is a great promise. I promise you're going to hear this promise. You're going to put on your refrigerator and your screensaver right away. I have said these things to you that you may have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Let's start with this part. This is Jesus. This is what he's saying. This is his promise. Now, there's a second part that helps it out. But he said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. In this world, you're going to have challenges. How many people are in the world? All of our hands should be up. If you're not putting your hand up, you're not in the world, we'll have a prayer line afterwards to figure out what's going on. You're somewhere out there. We're all in this world. So we're all going to have trouble. We're all going to have tribulations. Uh, you know, I, I like to break tribulation down as this. Tribulation, first and foremost, is problems. I'm not going to ask how many of us have problems. Maybe some of us, the problem is sitting around us right now. I don't know. But we all have problems. Maybe we're the problem that's sitting next to somebody. But we have problems. Being a Christian doesn't mean your problems just disappear. Not only do we have problems, but we also, we also have pressure. I mean, come on, real talk. Let's just go right into it. So many of us live, so many of you are sitting in here tonight, and you're worshiping, and you're good, and everything is great on the outside, but there's just so much pressure in your life right now. There's so much pressure around you right now. You, you barely feel like you can focus. Maybe some of you come in here tonight, and you're just praying, God, I don't know how I can hold out much longer. I don't, because there's so much pressure. There's problems. There's pressure. It's also persecution. When we take a stand for Jesus, when we follow Jesus, there's going to be persecution that we face. There's going to be things that are said about us, things that come in. Some of you are here tonight and in your life right now. There's persecution. You didn't do anything wrong. You're actually doing what's right. You're following Jesus. You're doing your best, but you're facing persecution. So Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. But I love this. He says, but. Everybody say, but. Anyone's in my church know I love to rag on this one quite often. Whatever but is in a sentence, whatever comes before the but is canceled out by what comes after the but. I'll give you an example. I really like you, but. I mean, no matter whatever is said beforehand, this is not going anywhere. Right? I, I, I would love to come help, but. Right? You're really good at it. But whatever's coming after, and so Jesus said, in this world you'll have tribulation. In this world you'll have problems and difficulties and persecution. What did he say? He said, but take heart, be encouraged. I have overcome the world. In other words, he addresses what really is going on. There's going to be problems. Many of us are in here tonight. There's problems. There's pressure. There's persecution. But Jesus said, be encouraged. Take heart. Why? I have overcome the world. And what I love, if you move a little further to 1 John 5, verse 4, same author, different book. 
I believe he builds on top of this where he says this. This is John. He says, for everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that's overcome the world, our faith. How many people here have been born again? Right? If you know what that means, that's when you give your life to Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and he transforms you. You don't necessarily change on the outside, even though I've seen some people that some things change on the outside. But he transforms you on the inside. You're born again. And the Bible says that when you've been born of God, you overcome the world. In other words, the victory that's in Jesus becomes the victory that God places inside of you. And that says, and this is the victory that's overcome the world, our faith. So we, we who are of faith, we who choose to believe God, we overcome the world. But here's the real deal. In the middle of all this, it sounds good, but you're sitting there listening to me, and maybe you've got some problems going on right now. Maybe there's some pressures. Maybe there's some persecution. You're saying, yeah, but what do I do? How do I, how do I posture myself? How, how, do I, how do I actually deal with this? You know, one of the things I've learned over the years is I've learned that I can't always control the battles I face, but I can always control my response and my posture in those battles. Now, there's some battles you can control. If someone says, Pastor Brennan, I need you to pray over my finances, Pastor. The devil's just attacking my finances. We need to pray. I go, okay, sure, let's pray. Uh, what, what, what's going on? Ah, it's just credit card debt. Oh, really? Okay. So the devil stole your credit card and went to the Oshawa Center? Well, no, 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 that was me. Okay, okay, I see your point, Pastor. I see your point. You know what? God is just allowing this to happen in my life to teach me something. Jesus has a purpose. Oh, so it wasn't the devil who stole your credit card. It was Jesus. And Jesus went around the Oshawa Center swiping that card. Well, no, no, Pastor, that was me. See, see, there's some problems that we create ourselves, and we shouldn't be blaming them on the devil, and we shouldn't be blaming them on God. You can fix a lot of things by stop blaming the devil or God for things that you created, and then just get it straightened out. But there still are problems that are attacks to the enemy. And there still are challenges or battles that God leads us into and says, I want you to overcome in this battle. So the question is this, and I want to present to you tonight, Dirt, the sequel, what do I do in hard times? Come on, if we're going to have seasons and episodes, we're going to have a sequel. And I hope, unlike many sequels, this one can live up to the original. But here's why. How many of you remember when David was going to face Goliath? Remember when David was going to face Goliath, and before he got onto the battlefield, he went to the brook. And the Bible says he knelt by the brook, and he, he picked up five smooth stones. And so tonight, what I want to do over these next few moments is I want to share with you five smooth stones of what you can do in rough times. I want to maybe take it a little further. I want to build on what does devotion look like? And I want to talk about some practical things that you can do, some things that you can put into practice even tonight if you're in the middle of a rough time. If you're in the middle of some things going on, these are some things that you can start doing tonight, five smooth stones that God can equip you with so that you can have the right posture in the middle of your situation. You guys ready? All right, everybody say number one. Oh, again, that was so weak. Let's try it again. Everybody say number one. That was better. Okay. okay, we're getting there. We're getting the swing of things. Number one, we need to get in the presence of God. Everybody say the presence. 
the first thing you need to do when you face a rough time. Because, you know, a lot of times, I don't know if you, I, I had something even over these last couple weeks. A lot of times rough times catch us off guard. They don't advertise themselves. They don't let us know they're coming. I mean, sometimes there's things we can see that are coming. But a lot of rough times, you don't see it. It catches you. And that's sometimes when it's the hardest because you weren't expecting it. You're just minding your own business, loving Jesus, living life. And next time you know, these rough times just show up out of nowhere. But what you first need to do, number one, I want to encourage you. I want to be really practical tonight. There's some of you, God, I feel sent me here tonight to talk to you is you need to run into the presence of God. Come on, everybody say the presence again. Matthew 14, 13. Let's go to this verse, a little bit of context. This verse, we're landing in this verse right after Jesus found out that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been murdered. So we have to remember, whenever we read about Jesus, Jesus was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. And he worked through all the things that we worked through. He walked what we would walk, and so he's there, he's doing ministry. But then he finds out his cousin, who he grew up with, his cousin, who baptized him, had been brutally murdered by Herod. And they came and they told him, and so 14, 13 says this. So this is a, a rough time for Jesus that comes out. Sometimes people act like Jesus didn't bother him, he didn't care. Yes, he did. Right? Jesus wept, Jesus had emotions, and he just found out his cousin just got brutally murdered. And so verse 13, it says this, now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there into a boat to a desolate place by himself. Now some people read this as Jesus just booked it and got out of there because he needed some space. But when you actually study the ministry of Jesus, every time he got away from everyone to be by himself, it was to be in prayer and it was to be with his father. In other words, he's just doing his thing, doing ministry, rough time comes out of nowhere, it hits him hard, and so what he does is he pulls away and he gets into the presence of God. Guys, I want to encourage you tonight that when you face rough times, the first place you need to go is to the presence of God. The first place you need to find yourself is get into the presence of God. You know, our natural response when we face hard times, what is it usually? What I've noticed over years of my life in ministry, we don't run to God, most of us run away from God. Right, rough times hit, and instead of running to God, instead of going into his presence, right, you're having a rough week, maybe something really bad happens, you're like, I'm not going to River tonight. I don't want to sit there and worship. I'm not going to church. We run away, we pull back, we isolate, and we run away from God's presence. And how about you, but when things are rough, what, what, what's your go-to? Some of us, it's the fridge. Come on, let's tell the truth. I stress eat sometimes. Right? I, I, I want sugar and candy and milkshakes and Coca-Cola. I mean, I just, I stress eat. Me and my wife stress eat sometimes together, actually. We both, pastor, we could be stressful sometimes. And so I don't, we, we just stress eat. Some of us, it's not that, though. Some of us, we just want to binge watch. Have you ever kind of been flipping the TV? You're not even watching, you're just flipping the channels. Or we, we, we binge on social media, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Right? But then let's be real, some of us, when we're running from God, it goes to darker places, doesn't it? A lot of times, it's interesting, a lot of the vices and the things that people struggle with are actually them trying to deal with the rough times, but they're not running to God, they're running away from God. You've got to make a choice. No matter what, when I'm facing a rough time, 
I'm going to run to God. I'm not going to run from God. The nights you don't feel like being at the river because things are so hard and there's so much pressure in your life and you don't know what you're going to do, that's the night you need to get here early. You need to get in the lineup and you need to sit in the front row and you need to say, I don't feel like being here. I don't feel like praising, but I need to be here. I need to praise. Why? Because I need to be in the presence of God. Jesus said this again in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus said, come to me. When you're in a rough time, come to me. Don't run away from me. And tonight, there's so many of you, Jesus is saying to you tonight, stop running away from me because it's rough. I can't help you the way I want to when you run away from me. I don't turn my back on you. I'm always here for you. But you limit me from helping you when you run away from me. Stop running away from me. And when it gets hard, run to me. Make my presence your priority. Don't depend on what you feel like. Do what you know to do and what is right. And that's why in Proverbs 18.10 it says this, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and they are safe. Come on, somebody say run to the presence. That's the first smooth stone. Let's move to number two. Everybody say number two. So you go to the presence of God, and these things are actually linked and connected, but the number two, you need to pray. When you're in rough times, you need to pray. Now, I know that can sound a little cliche. That's kind of like the answer, just pray. But I don't mean just pray, quote, unquote. I'm talking about you need to be in prayer. You need to go to God. Philippians 4, verse 6 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And Pastor Ryan was talking last week about how we can be anxious and we can worry. And that brings us so much into the place where we are despising what's going on. But here the Bible tells us, because here's the thing, guys. We're all going to struggle with anxiousness and worry. When you're in a rough time, that's just the natural response. You've got to do something else to cancel that out. And so the Bible tells us what do we do? It says, don't be anxious by everything, but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. See, family, too often tonight when we are facing rough times, we do everything except pray. And then when nothing else has worked, when everything else has gone wrong, we go, oh, maybe we should pray. Why shouldn't prayer be our first response instead of our last resort? God is calling tonight that prayer would be your first response. That when you're in a rough time, that is not a time to go binge watch, to go kind of disconnect. It's a time to get in the presence of God. It's a time to get on your knees before God. It's a time to get other people you know how to pray, that they would start to pray with you and they would pray for you. But in rough times, don't run from God. Run to God and come to God in the place of prayer. Come on, everybody say prayer. Now, I, I, I would assume most of us would have a good feel for prayer in this place, but I don't want to assume that with everybody. What is prayer? Prayer is simply this. It's talking to God, and then it's listening to God. Now, that's an important part, because some of us, when we pray, we just talk God's ear off, and we never give him a chance to say anything. 
Lord, I love you today. Thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. God, I really want it. And God's like, uh, uh, and please do this for me, Lord. And please do that for me, Lord. And Lord's like, well, I have an idea. And Lord, if you have any ideas, just share those ideas with me, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe we're Pentecostal. Oh, shit. You know, we just, we're flowing all over the place. And then we're like, in Jesus' name, amen. And we go. And God's like, uh, I was trying to give you the answer, but you never gave me a word in edgewise. I want to encourage you, prayer is talking to God, but then it's also listening to God. Somebody say, listen to God. Uh, there was a book written many years ago that the title always stuck with me, and the title was simply this, Too Busy Not to Pray. A lot of people say, I'm too busy to pray. I got too much going. No, listen, you're too busy not to pray. And when you're in the middle of a rough time, that is the time you need prayer the most. That is not the time to stay up late watching whatever, sleeping too late in the morning, totally starting to lose sight of your prayer time. That is the time to lock in in a place of prayer and say, God, I'm coming before you. I need your presence in my life. I need your help. I need your answers. Corey Ten Boom said it this way. Maybe you know Corey Ten Boom, amazing woman of God. She asked this question. She said, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Because for too many of us, prayers are spare tire. What is that? It's the thing stuck in the back. Some of you don't even know where it is in your car. God forbid you actually had to use it. You wouldn't even know how to get it out. My wife would say that's what I have a husband for. But anyways, you don't know. Don't let prayer be your spare tire. Don't let it be what you turn to when everything blows up. Let prayer be your steering wheel. If you will allow prayer to be your steering wheel, you won't need a spare tire because you're following the plan and will of God and where he's taking you. Amen? Come on, somebody say pray. Amen. Let me share one more thought with you on this before we move to stone number three. Uh, Mark 9, 29 said this. This is when Jesus, you remember, he went up the mountain, and then he came back down, and he found that there was this big crowd gathered, and there was this boy that was possessed by an evil spirit, and the father said to him, I tried to get your disciples to cast it out, but they couldn't. And so then Jesus rebuked the spirit. The spirit came out. And afterwards, his disciples came and said, why couldn't we cast the spirit out? Why couldn't we do what we needed to do here? And Mark 9, 29, Jesus said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And if you look at the note in your church, it says, and fasting. And I have a question for you. Jesus came down the mountain. He sees the boy who's possessed that needs freedom. Where did Jesus run off to pray? Did he run off to pray? Did he go, hold on a second. This kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Let me go back up the mountain for three days and then come back and I will deliver your son. No, Jesus delivered the boy immediately. Why? Because Jesus had already prayed. Jesus had already fasted. He was ready for the moment because he was not treating it as a spare tire, but it was part of his lifestyle. I want to encourage you tonight, if you are waiting for a hard time, oh no, maybe we should pray now. Maybe I should get a prayer life now. If you're waiting until the hard time comes, it's too late. And then you wonder why you're struggling. It's a little bit like some guy breaks into my house. My wife says, babe, somebody's in the house. So I run to the weight set and I start pumping the weights. And you're like, what are you doing? I'm getting strong so I can deal with the robber. Buddy, you're too late. Right now, I don't even know. I, I'd probably just call 911 and barricade the door. I wouldn't even try and do anything. But, you know, in my mind, I'd be because I've already been training, because I've already been getting ready, I'm ready for the challenge. Hear the word of the Lord for some of you tonight. There's some rough times that are coming. 
They're not bad things. They're just part of what God's doing. But you need to pray now. You need to fast now. You need to get your life right now. You need to repent from sin now. Don't wait until the battle to start learning how to fight. Let God train your hands for battle. Let God train your hands for war right now so when the day comes, you're ready. Come on, guys. This soft, half-hearted, lukewarm Christianity needs to stop. There's too much at stake. There's too much going on in the world around us. Come on, someone tell your neighbor, pray. All right, I'll see if I pick up my pace a little bit. And Pastor Ryan, that clock is way too small at the back. I just cannot even see anything. It's intentionally small. Okay. I told him, telling me I have no time limit is very dangerous. But my wife will keep me on track here. So anyways, stone number three. Everybody say number three. So we've talked about the importance of the presence of God. We've talked about the importance of prayer. Number three, you got to get your people around you. Somebody say, get your people. When times are rough, you need to make sure you have the right people in your circle. You need to make sure you have the right people around you. Because sometimes we're going through a rough time, and we got the wrong people around us and in our circle, and they're not helping us, they're making it worse. We've got to get the right people around us. You know, it's interesting, as soon if you study the ministry of Jesus, as soon as he was baptized, he went into the wilderness, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he came back in the power of the Spirit, coming out of the wilderness, and the first thing he did was he started to build a team. He started to call disciples to him. When he sent the disciples out to ministry, he did not send anyone out by themselves. Jesus did not believe in Lone Ranger ministry. And Jesus does not believe in Lone Ranger Christianity. Come on, if Jesus surrounded himself with a team, who do we think we are to try and Lone Ranger it all the time? Come on, anybody remember Rambo? So come on, some 80s kids. We got some 80s kids. Some of you, I know some of the younger ones are like, Rambo, who's that? Sylvester Stallone, he was much younger, much more muscular. But it's pretty ridiculous because basically he'd just go and take out the entire enemy by himself. And, and I mean, they're trying to shoot him. They're just, you know, these ones are just missing every left, right, and center. And he's just taking everybody out. It's like he gets them in one shot. They miss him with 50. Right? But it's just those movies. But a lot of times we're trying to do Rambo Christianity. We think we can do it by ourselves. We think we can help ourselves. I got news for you tonight. You can't. Come on, tell your neighbor you can't. One of the quickest ways to fail is try and do this by yourself. Christianity is a team sport. It's like football. You need a team around you. You're out there trying to run the play by yourself. You are going to get smoked. You are going to get injured. You need a team. And let me just be a pastor for a second. That's why you need a local church that you're part of. It's good that you watch stuff online. It's good that you come to the river. This is amazing. But you need a pastor. You need a church. You need people that can pray for you, call on you, stand with you in faith. Well, I watch so-and-so on YouTube. Awesome. Keep doing it. But when you're in the middle of a hard time, you can't call them on YouTube to come pray with you. Oh, no, but they have a prayer line, Pastor. Listen, that's great, but you need people around you. Somebody say, get your people. We need each other. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12 says this. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who's alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Don't be alone. We're all going to fall sometimes. No one is just perfect and super Christian all the time. We're all going to fall, but when we have others around us, they pull us up. 
Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. So how can one keep warm alone? Verse 12, and though a man might prevail against one who's alone, two will withstand him. And I love this, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. River family, I want to encourage you tonight, if you are in the middle of a difficult time, you go get a three-strand cord tonight. You get some men and women of God who can come around you, who can pray with you, who can stand with you. Stop keeping everything to yourself. You're like, I don't want anybody up in my business. That's why you keep failing, because you need some godly people in your business to walk you through that business, but you don't want nobody in your business, so you keep falling flat in your face. Right? We need that three-strand cord. Somebody say three-strand cord. Come on, I remember growing up, anybody used to watch African Lion Safari? Remember that show, African Lion, and all this stuff. And I remember watching it. Which, which gazelle, always, gazelle always got eaten? The gazelle always ran off by itself. I know some of you, again, you're like, what show is he talking about? This guy's old. But anyways, Right? You'd be there, and you know, they kind of build the music in, so you got the gazelles all there, and then you got the lions starting to prowl. You know, they kind of build the music in, and all of a sudden, you know, the guy said, oh, and look there, one of the gazelles has left the herd, and he's kind of, dee, 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 dee. you're like, no, go back to the herd, go back to the herd. Oh, look, the female lion is coming for him, you know, and you're like, no, go back to the herd, go back to the herd. And also, boom, you know, and depending on your personality, some of you are, like, really excited about it, and some of you are crying, oh, the poor baby gazelle. Listen, if you stay with the herd, you're okay. What the devil wants to do is he wants to get you off by yourself. Stop letting him isolate you. Stop letting him get you off by yourself. Get your people around you and stop, stop sabotaging and pulling away. I'm talking to somebody tonight. Because God has so much more for you. God has so much more than your life. And it's not just that, oh, the devil's attacking you or that God's allowing you to go through trials right now. You keep isolating so you keep giving the devil a target on your back. Stop letting it happen. Get your people. Everybody say, get your people. That's stone number three. So number one, what do you say? Get in the presence of God. Stone number two, pray. Amen. That was good. Okay, you guys are getting this. Stone number three, get your... How many people got some people with you tonight? Come on, let me know. If you got some people with, maybe, maybe that's where your people are. You come to the river and you worship together. But let me encourage you. If you got your friend, they haven't shown up for a couple weeks, why not call them and find out what's going on? Right? Look out for each other. So we want to get our people. Number four. Stone number four. Everybody say number four. Number four. Simply this. We need to persevere. As you can tell, this message has been brought to you by the letter P. When we go through rough times, we need to set our heart that we're not going to quit. But we are going to persevere. Come on, somebody say persevere. persevere. we got to set our heart. Because, guys, let's be real. Sometimes, you know, we preach and we talk. Okay, listen, it's hard sometimes. There's some days and some weeks, it's just, it's difficult. It's a push. It's almost like there's these weights keeping your hands down from worshiping. Every time you open your Bible, it's like I can hardly get into it. It's a battle. But you got to make a decision. I'm here for the battle. I'm here for the fight. And I might not do it perfect. I might not even do it very well. But one thing I'm not going to do is quit. I am going to persevere. Everybody say it again. Persevere. <laughs> to persevere means to persist in anything undertaken. It means to maintain a purpose in spite of difficulty, obstacles, or discouragement. 
It means to continue steadfastly. Now, I've been a lead pastor for 23 years now. And I've seen over the years, I've seen, I've got a little bit of mileage now, a little bit under my belt. And I can tell you this, I've seen a lot of talented, anointed, gifted, good-looking people who didn't make it. I've seen a lot of people who got a lot of stuff going for them, but they didn't make it. But I've seen some other people, I'll be honest, there's been some people I thought were going to make it, and they didn't make it. Then some other people, I'm like, ah, you know, I mean, Pastor Oli, you never really are supposed to say that. So you're always encouraging. But in your heart, sometimes you're like, ah, I don't know if this guy's going to make it, man. I, and then you feel kind of convicted about it. But you're like, but listen, I've watched some of those people. I go, oh, man, they made it. You want to know what I found is the key in all this? It is people who have grit, people who don't quit. Listen, I don't know where you are tonight. You may not feel like you're that talented, that anointed. You might feel like, oh, but I want to encourage you tonight. If you will just set your heart, I am not going to quit. I am not going to stop. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praising. I'm going to keep reading my Bible. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to keep staying in connection. I'm just not going to quit. If you won't quit, God is going to come through for you. But so often, family, what I've found is so many people, because the devil, one of the reasons he puts pressure on you is the pressure is quit, 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 because he's already the defeated foe. He actually can't defeat you unless he gets you to defeat yourself because of the victory you have in Jesus. So you just need to set your heart, I will not quit. Come on, somebody say, I will not quit. Want to see what the word says about this? Galatians 6, verse 9. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. I want to encourage you tonight just with this word of the Lord. Do not grow weary in doing good. Some of you are a little tired tonight. You're a little weary. You feel like you've been trying to follow God, trying to do the right things, trying to stay on the right thing. I want to encourage you. Do not grow weary in doing good because due season is coming. And due season you will reap a harvest of everything that God promised you if you will not quit. But the devil's going to throw everything in the kitchen sink at you to try and get you to quit. Because that's how he wins. If you quit, he wins. If you won't quit, he loses. Ephesians 6, 10 to 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers and present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Somebody say stand firm. Guys, listen, there's a reason God gave you armor and it's not so you can march in parades and look pretty. God gave you armor because there's going to be some battles. God gave you armor because there's an enemy that does not want you to do what God called you to do. But God has given you his armor, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the helmet of salvation, your feet being shot of the preparation of the gospel of peace. And he said, whatever happens, stand firm. Whatever happens, don't quit. Whatever happens, don't back down. God's given you a promise. You might seem like you're a million miles away from that promise tonight, but don't you dare back down. Don't you dare quit. Don't you dare give up. Even if your heart needs to be stirred tonight, you say, I'm standing firm, and I'm not giving up on what God has said and what God has promised. I'm going to persevere. And somebody says, well, how long do you have to persevere for? Persevere until it happens. I don't know how long it's going to be. 
But I know God will give you the strength to keep standing, and you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living if you don't quit. Somebody say, don't quit. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance. Right? So I, I, I'm with you. I wish it was a 100-meter dash. I mean, I was always slow. I was never very fast. I love playing ball. I couldn't jump. I wasn't fast. I just had to learn to shoot. Right? But, but I, I wish it was a 100-meter dash. But the boss says you've got to run with endurance. That means you've got to keep running. That means you've got to keep going. Run with endurance. And watch this. The race set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Guys, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep running. Yeah, but Pastor, it's hard right now. I know it's hard right now. I got some hard stuff in my life too right now, but keep your eyes on Jesus and keep running. Yeah, but Pastor, people around me don't understand what God's asking me. Listen, I know they don't understand, but one day they will understand if you just keep going forward. But keep your eyes on Jesus and just keep running. Yeah, but there's just a lot going on in the world around right now. Just keep your eyes on Jesus and keep running. Come on, somebody say, keep your eyes on Jesus. Come on, somebody say, keep running. The word of the Lord for somebody in here tonight is simply this, don't quit. You came in here asking God tonight, God, I need a word tonight. Here's your word, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't go back to sin. Don't go back to the club. Don't go back to the porn. Don't go back to the weed. Don't go back to anything. Don't quit. Don't stop. You might, listen, you might not even be able to stand right now. Your shield might be crooked. Your sword might be nicked up. But you just make a decision. I'm still here. I'm not quitting. And God's power is going to fill you and you will overcome. One last, one last picture of this. Uh, we had our pastors with us this weekend at our church. And uh, great time. So they, we put them on a plane Sunday night. We flew them home. Or so we thought. Well, we found out later in the night they never made it home. Because when they got to Atlanta, they're from Atlanta, there was too much going on and they couldn't, they couldn't land, so they just put them in a holding pattern. So they're flying around and around and around. And then they ran out of gas, so they're about to run out of gas, so they, they flew them over to another part of Georgia so they could land. They sat them on the tarmac, refilled the plane, and only got them home. Listen, some of you feel like, I don't understand why I've not seen what God has said yet. Listen, sometimes God's just put you in a holding pattern. And it's not a bad holding pattern. It's a divine holding pattern. And you might feel like you're going in circles and you're not getting to land where God's told you and you get ready to bail out. Don't bail out because God knows the perfect time and God knows the perfect situation. And if he's put you in a holding pattern tonight, it's because there's a perfect time for him to land that plane. Your decision is just this. Don't quit. Come on, somebody say don't quit. Come on, say it again. Don't quit. Come on, I, I feel like there's just some people in here tonight. You need to make a declaration tonight, and you need to say, I'm not going to quit. Amen. So we've gone through our first four stones. We're going to go to our last one, and then we're going to do it. Our first stone was get into the... Our second stone was... You guys get that one. That's good. Yeah, we've got the river hands right there. I mean, that's prophetic right there. Pray. The third stone was get your... The fourth, fourth stone was, we're going to persevere, and this brings us to the last stone. And again, let me say this. This is not everything. This was not all of it. Uh, tonight, there's a lot of 
other things I could have preached on, but these are the things I felt like the Lord said for me tonight. Because the last stone is simply this, is you need to praise. Come on, somebody say, you need to praise. Last but not least, when you're going through a rough time, now I'm going to promise you, you're not going to feel like praising. You're, you're going to feel like disappearing, binge watching, eating an entire tub of ice cream, not showing up. The last thing in the world you're going to feel like doing is praising. But when you're in the middle of a rough time, that is the time that you need to praise. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Psalm 106 verse 1 says this, Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. See, several things I want you to see from the rivers. First and foremost, praise is a commandment, not a suggestion. We need to stop treating praise like it is a suggestion. And we need to understand that it is a command from the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Come on, everybody do this. Just on your hand. Don't do it on somebody else in case you have bad breath. Just in your hand, all right? You got breath? How many people have breath? If anybody doesn't, let's call the EMS or the prayer team to resurrect that. Every, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. If you breathed into your hand tonight, you got breath in your lungs. You are called to praise God. You are called to praise Him. Everybody say praise the Lord. The second thing I want you to see, if there's, it doesn't say praise the Lord if you feel like it. Praise the Lord if it's hype. Praise the Lord if the worship team is playing your tune. No, it just says praise the Lord. Praise is not based on how we feel. That's the problem. Many of us praise based on how we feel. If we're feeling good, oh, we got praise. We're here praising, but we're not feeling good. Oh, you know. You got to get out of that zone, guys. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord in the good times. Praise the Lord in the bad times. Praise the Lord when you understand what's going on in your life. Praise the Lord when you don't understand what's going on in your life. Praise the Lord when you got the money to do what he told you to do. Praise the Lord when you don't have the money, you don't know where it's going to come from, but you still know God gave you a mission. Whatever you need to do, make a decision to praise the Lord. Come on, somebody say it again. Praise the Lord. What I love too is the third part. Praise is a spiritual weapon that brings havoc to the enemy and his plans. That's why this is so important. Psalm 149 talks about let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a double-edged sword in their hand. When you praise God, we sing about it. There's a lot of songs. My praise is a weapon. This is how I fight my battles. You know, all these things, we need to actually believe that. This is how you fight your battle, with praise. Your praise is a weapon. Stop keeping your weapon in its holster and get it out and get it trained on the enemy. Get it trained on the problem. Get it trained on the circumstances, situations. Your praise is a weapon. It's a little bit like in 2 Chronicles 20 when Jehoshaphat and the children of Israel were facing a foe that they could not overcome. But then they went to the Lord and they sought God and they said, what do we do? And God said, I'm going to give you the victory. Send the praisers first. Can you imagine being one of those praisers? I'm like, oh, this is different. Joseph's like, okay, all the praise and worship team, you're at the front. Wait a minute, and the enemy's over there? And so they're going, I don't know, but I don't know how they fought. They must have had faith, because I would have been like, does he know what he's doing? Because this is going to end really quickly. But then they went and they praised. And God says that God came 
and he struck confusion in the enemy. And they begin to bow. I want you to know tonight that when you choose to praise God, God begins to strike confusion into the enemy's plans. God begins to strike confusion into the attack of the enemy. And God begins to fight your battle for you. Come on, how many of you want God to start fighting your battles instead of you trying to fight your battles? One of the best things you do is get your eyes off your circumstances and your situation. Lift your head, lift your eyes, begin to praise and watch God fight your battles. It also reminds me of Joshua chapter 6 with the children of Israel and Jericho. God said, this is my strategy to take this city. March around the walls one time each day and then the seventh day march around seven times and then shout a shout of praise. I mean, can you imagine, again, what they're trying to say? Because here's the problem. A lot of people say praise. I'm going through out of praise. That sounds crazy, Pastor. Yeah, it is kind of crazy, but it works. It is kind of crazy, but you see God begin to move. And so they get around that. And I don't know if the, those in Jericho were making fun of them. They're mocking them. Oh, they're going around, oh, two times today, three times today. Hey, look at that, Joe. They're going around a fourth time. Hey, what's going on? But all of a sudden, they hit the point where it's time to raise, to blow the trumpet and to raise their voice in praise. And all of a sudden, the walls come crashing down. There's some walls that have been holding you out of what God's called you to. There have been some walls that are holding you back. And I want to challenge you and encourage you tonight. It's time to praise. It's time to lift your voice and watch God knock those walls down flat. But here's what I want to encourage you tonight. you got to learn to praise before the walls come down. See, anyone can praise once the walls come down. Anyone can praise once things have happened, but you've got to make a decision. I'm going to praise before it seems like anything is happening. I'm going to praise when it seems like nothing is going on, but I'm going to praise God. Why? Because he's going to knock these walls down. You know, last but not least, it reminds me of Paul and Silas. You guys remember that story from Acts 16? They were there preaching, following God. They got lied on. They got whipped. They got beat up. They got thrown in prison. How about you? I, I would have been tempted to have a pity party. I'm sitting there in prison, and life is just so hard. And I'm just trying to serve God and preach the word of God. And Lord, I don't know what's happening right now. And Silas, oh yeah, I'm really sad too, Paul. It's just terrible. We're both terrible. I don't know why. Are we, why are we doing this with our lives? Why are we going? No, you don't see any of that from Paul and Silas. They got beat. Their backs bleeding. They're in this infested prison. But they look at each other. They say, You know what we're going to do? We're going to praise. And the Bible says they began to praise, and they began to pray, and all the jail heard them. They weren't quiet. It was one of these quiet patty cake praises. It was the top of their lungs. We're lifting up the name of Jesus. We are glorifying God, and they're there praising. I bet all the other prisoners thought, these guys are crazy. They must have hit them in the head with those whips. What are they singing for? And I perfectly imagine, I don't, I, I don't know, maybe Paul was a great singer. Just the way he writes the Bible, I feel like maybe he was even a bad singer. I don't know. Forgive me, maybe he'll be mad at me when I get there. But I don't know, he just, he didn't care. wasn't worried about sounding good. He was there to praise God. They thought they're crazy. They thought they're out of their minds. But then all of a sudden, the ground began to shake. All of a sudden, the walls began to shake. All of a sudden, everything began to shake. And not only, watch this, not only did their prison doors pop open, but every prison door in that jail popped open because of their praise. I want you to know tonight that when you choose to praise God, it's not just about your freedom, but it's about the freedom of your family. It's about the freedom of your friends. It's about the freedom of your community. When God finds a people who will praise him no matter what, you watch the doors. It begins to open. Somebody say, praise the Lord. 
One last verse, one last story, and then we're going to do it. Habakkuk 3, 17 to 19. Some of you may have even seen this verse. It says, even though the fig trees have no blossom, and there are no grapes in the vines, even though the olive crop fails, and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields, and the cattle barns are empty. This is a bad, this is a, this is, Pastor Ryan, this is a rough time. You talk about a rough time. I mean, this is an agrarian society. This is basically saying, even though nobody wants to be your friend, even though there's no money in the bank, you just got evicted from your house, and your car broke down, and then somebody stole it. I mean, it's, everything's going wrong that could go wrong. What do you do? Go eat ice cream and binge watch Netflix for three days. Like, give up on God for, like, backslide for a week and then come back. No, this is what he said. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Yet I will rejoice. Even if everything is going wrong that could go wrong, I'm still going to praise. Even though anything that could be going wrong, I'm still going to rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer and makes me able to tread upon the heights. Can I just close with this encouragement tonight? It doesn't take a lot of faith to praise God when all the money's in the bank. It doesn't take a lot of faith to praise God when everything's going the way you want it to go. It doesn't take a lot of faith to praise God when that relationship is in your life that you want in your life and you know where you're going, know what's happened. It doesn't take a lot of faith to praise God then. But you know what? I'm looking tonight for some people of faith that maybe the money's not there in the bank account, but you're going to praise God anyways. Maybe you don't know exactly what's happening in your life, but you're going to praise God anyways. Maybe everything isn't happening the way you want it to happen, but in the middle of that, you're not going to whine, you're not going to complain, you're not going to backslide for a week, but you are going to make a decision. I will praise the Lord. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Come on, one more time. Declare it from the bottom of your heart. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, one more story. Can I give you a closing story here? Here's a true story about the power of praising God. It's an old-timer story. It says it's Reverend A.E. Wonder. Definitely old-timer. You know, Reverend and then two initials and Wonder. It's an old-timer. He was led by God to visit a young pastor and his family who were doing a pioneering work in an evangelized area. As he stood on their front porch with a box of groceries, he heard the pastor's wife praying for food. Opening the door and seeing all the food that he had, they rejoiced that God had answered their prayer. However, as the young mother prepared dinner for her family and guests, Reverend Wonder noticed something strange happened whenever she walked by the refrigerator. She would frown and seem depressed. What's the matter, sister, Reverend Wonder asked. Every time you walk by the fridge, you look depressed. Do I, the woman exclaimed. I didn't realize that. It's just the refrigerator's been empty so much, and I need food for my children. Suddenly, Reverend Wonder received an idea he felt was from the Lord. It would be a challenge to her faith and definitely would seem crazy to the modern mind. Sister, he said, I believe if you will shout hallelujah, which means praise the Lord, at the refrigerator every time you walk by it, God will respond and fill up that refrigerator, and he'll keep it filled for you. It sounded ridiculous. And the family looked at him in amazement. He said, though, it seemed foolish for the Israelites to march around Jericho and shout praises to God to see those walls fall down. But they shouted anyways, and the walls came down. It seemed crazy for Jehoshaphat to have the singers and praisers lead the way in the face of their enemies, but their faith pleased God, and he brought them to victory. Paul and Silas praised God in the prison, their backs bruised and bleeding, 
and God sent an earthquake that rocked the prison, setting them free. Yeah, so I believe that if you'll shout hallelujah every time you walk by the refrigerator, God will honor your faith too since he's no respecter of persons. What he did for one, he'll do for another. And so believe him for it. Will you do it? He asked. The young woman and her family trusted and respected Pastor Wonder as a man of God. So she agreed and began to quietly whispering hallelujah every time she walked by the refrigerator. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. The experience blessed her so much that in a short time she was practically shouting hallelujah. A few days later, Reverend Wonder visited the young couple. They ran onto the porch to meet him with several hallelujahs and praises to God. She said, I kept shouting hallelujah every time I walked by the refrigerator. And the Lord moved on an unsaved man in town to give us all the food and frozen meat our refrigerator could hold. Months later, it was the same story. The woman kept praising and God kept meeting their faith. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. And so as we close tonight, I want to encourage you, River family, you might not have a refrigerator that you want to shout hallelujah at tonight, but it might be a bank account that every time you look at it, you need to shout hallelujah. It might be everyone telling you you'll never be able to buy a house in this economy. It's too expensive, but you shout hallelujah. It may be someone saying you're going to be alone for your entire life. God will never bring somebody. Instead of getting down about it, you need to shout Hallelujah. Whatever the circumstance, whatever the situation, God is calling us to be a people who praise the Lord, who shout hallelujah. And if you're going to be one of those people tonight, I want you to stand on your feet tonight, and I want you to shout unto God with the loudest hallelujah tonight. Give shout, give praise. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. This is breakthrough for some of you. Come on, this is breakthrough tonight. It's in your praise. It's in your hallelujah. Come on tonight. Hallelujah. 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 Woo. So, are we ready to do it? Come on, tell your neighbor, are you ready? Are you ready? Because we're going to praise God, and we're going to watch God work in Jesus' name. Come on, let's do it, guys.